Welcome everyone to another podcast with Susan, Talk with Susan. And I'm happy to welcome another guest. Um, I've been kind of leaning in the direction since I started podcasting of working with women in midlife because that's been my journey. So I can, it's relatable to me. So today I have with me Lisa Levine. Lisa is a life and health coach, and she provides easy, actionable advice to help women in midlife let go of what's holding them back so that they can become the best version of themselves. And it's a journey that I wish for every woman who is in midlife who wants to live in their best version. Lisa wrote a book, Midlife No Crisis. It's a wonderful book. I will be sharing the link in the show notes. And um, in the introduction, she says this book is meant to help you create a plan to age audaciously on whatever terms you choose. That's 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 a lot to chew on. This book is meant to help you create a plan to age audaciously on whatever terms you choose. Often we live on a path of what other people have chosen for us and get to a place where it's now up to us. So welcome, Lisa. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Susan. Thanks for having me. I, it's it's a fun. It's a pleasure to be here. It is fun. That's what we learn to do. We learn to have fun with whatever we're doing. I actually, I want to know a little bit about you. We're going to go through the book. I have earmarked the book kind of chapter to chapter because there's so much good information, uh, information that you can really feed on and incorporate into your own life. It's a book, though, that you go through slowly because you want to digest everything, you know? You don't just flip through it. Yeah, any change comes about. Sometimes it comes about slowly. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, what brought you to this place, and sure. maybe a little bit about your midlife yeah. transition. Sure. So yeah, I, I've been, I'm a, a certified life and health coach, and I live in Seattle, Washington, I've been here for almost 30 years, but I am an East Coaster. I started off in um, on the East Coast. And if you told me, you know, when I was even in my 20s that I would end up being something called a life coach and living in Seattle, Washington, I definitely would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> um, I never imagined. It's just another example of life takes yeah. you places. You don't always know. Sometimes it's better not to have a plan, but I started off my career, um, you know, in the music business, actually, I was mm. a film major and I was, I had a really fun run in the music business in New York and then in Los Angeles doing music video stuff because it was the eighties and nineties. And that's when okay. MTV and all those things were still happening. It was very fun. Then I met my husband backstage at a Pearl Jam show in 1992 oh, right. and he was, and it was super fun. He was in um, also a music video and he had a company in Seattle. So he was going back and forth. So I tell you ended up here. Mm -hmm. And um, that was like one of my first big transitions was when I 
got out of that business mm -hmm. and um, thought who, you know, I had an identity crisis. Who was I? And I started working on a master's in psychology at that point because mm -hmm. it was something I had always been interested in. And then I got pregnant. And actually, before I got pregnant, I was dealing with an autoimmune uh, diagnosis, which is kind of how what, another thing that led me to what I ended up doing. Um, but then I had kids and I was home with my kids for a while. And long story short, I did get back into production for a little bit, but sometime around age like 49 about the universe, like I want to talk about meaning. And um, so that's when I that is how I ultimately started my transition into getting a coaching certification. Mm. I became a life coach when I was 50. And so my midlife crisis looked like, or crisis, I should say transition, because I don't believe that it's ever a crisis, even though it feels like one sometimes, mm -hmm. but it was noticing that I was really looking for more meaning. I, I wasn't enough just to do what I had always done, that somehow I needed more, deeper, mm -hmm. more. And, um, so I, 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 when I started, um, I got a coaching certification through the Martha Beck Institute. She's wonderful. Okay. She was like one of the original life coaches. I think she was Oprah's life coach back in the oh, day. Wow. And, okay. um, and that was a life changer for me. And by the time, when I started that program, I think I felt a little bit adrift, um, which is how I would classify a midlife crisis and can't see me making my quotation marks. Well, you can, um, <laughs> and, and it sort of felt like I was on a, raft it, you know I pushed off land I was on a life raft in the fog mm. with no oars and it felt scary as heck and I would be you know I didn't know where I was going I didn't know how to get myself there by the time my coaching certification was over I was on the other side um and now I would say that one of the things I love about coaching is that I can help other women who yeah. feel that way find their oars you know right. wait, wait out wait for the fog to clear and trust that all will be well and that there's land on the other side. And so once I did start to, to get to that other side, um, when you're in personal growth, you do start to pay attention to um, all the things that bring you joy, that light you up, that make you go, oh yeah, this, more of this. And for me, it was always around health and wellness because of that earlier diagnosis of Graves' disease. Um, mm -hmm. okay. And then my daughter was diagnosed with Hashimoto's when she was 11. So I really became involved and in, 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 in interested in all of that. So I added health coaching to my mm -hmm. repertoire. Now, and, yeah. adding health coaching, was that a different curriculum that you had to do or... Oh yeah, I mean it was a different program. It was that was through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Yeah, and that's where I went. It, yeah, it's a great program, and some of it um, overlapped with some of my coach training. You know when they, but 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 it was there was a lot of other stuff too, and they right. were very, they're very helpful in uh, giving you um, parameter like programs and all of that, like how to help how they're very helpful in get, helping get that health coaching business off the ground. And I did have a, a coaching practice, but I changed it and mm -hmm. started mm -hmm. coaching too. Yeah. And um, what's interesting, you having gone through the, this midlife transition and I as well, is that you come to a place where you know, like you said, you know that you just want to broaden your horizon, but you really just don't have an idea what that might be. But you just kind of... Um, you have to find that courage within yourself to just take that first step, you know, and 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 not think that you're going to be able to see the end at the beginning. You know, you just take that first step and 
how do you um how did you find or how did you get the sense of what it was that you wanted to do i guess guess with your own health issues your daughter's health issues you kind of that's that was the the pivot that made you go in that direction of health you know it really was for me just more of an evolution i you know i think that when we make this decision that we want things to change we want mm -hmm. everything to change right away and yeah. often it doesn't work that way and what you said about my book about it being very digestible that's deliberate i made the book uh be bite-sized pieces because when you are in overwhelm when you're mm -hmm. in a quote, crisis, you can't do, often you cannot do more than just a tiny little bite. It's so true. It, it's it, it, What happens is if you try to take on more than you can digest, you get even more overwhelmed and then you end up, or, or so often women end up just putting that on themselves and saying, I screwed up. I can't do anything right. I'm just going to go eat another, you know, whatever sleeve of Thin Mints and the hell with it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it really, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's deliberately small bite-sized pieces. And so in, when you're in, like I said, when you're in overwhelm, sometimes it's just the smallest step. And I think everyone is different in their evolution through that, but it really is an evolution. And I think mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I will tell people is to trust themselves and to climb. It's really about putting on their detective hats because we're paying attention to the littlest clues that are happening from, you know, body, yeah. mind, and spirit. And we're sort of creating a map, a treasure map, as it were. Yeah, I love that, a treasure map. <clears throat> And it, it is working with your intuition. And again, I didn't find that something that happened easily. It was through a lot of different practices where you start, <clears throat> you start to hear your inner voice. You start to hear your intuition. You know, it is quite a journey. But um, yeah, let's get into the book because we want some of these bite-sized pieces to be put out there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the introduction is you, the introduction is embracing midlife. And the one thing that stood out here is it's about the stories we tell ourselves. All oh, those stories. So talk to us about those stories. Oh, there's so many of them. It can be anything from I'm, I'm terrible at this or I can never do that or who do I think I am to A, B, or C. Um, you know, one of the things about, one of the reasons I love the word audacious is because it really can mean different things to different people. Like for instance, look, you started a podcast. That's an audacious move, like high five. That's good for yeah. you. That's yeah. your, that is something that you did that's audacious that maybe not everybody would do. For some people, it's audacious just to, you know, wear bright colors. I mean, it really just depends on, mm -hmm. on this. Again, the stories we tell ourselves often will hold us back and keep us stuck. So that's part of it. And then the other thing is when we are aging, specifically the stories we tell ourselves about what it means to be a certain age or what it means to be, to be, yeah, to be in midlife in our yeah. society, in our culture. And yeah. we 
grow up hearing all the time, like such and such a number. Oh, you're over the hill. I like to think about that because you remember when you're younger, uh, you know, oh, you, if you meet, if you, when you're in your twenties and you like, for instance, when I met my future husband, oh, great. When are you going to get married? We'd get married. And then, oh, great. When are you going to have kids? And then you have kids and it's, oh, at some point when you're 50, like you forget to, there, nobody asks you that question anymore. Like you, so it becomes like, oh, when I'm 50 or when I'm over 50, I will not be as relevant. And that's a, that's mm -hmm. a story right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is truly something that you feel, or I felt very deeply you know, what is my relevance? Mm -hmm. And it could be from, you know, when the children leave home, it could be the change in your marriage, so many things that just, you wanna be more relevant. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely the way it is. Um, and those stories that we tell ourselves can begin as far back as childhood, oh. you know, the, maybe the things that we were told that maybe weren't meant to harm us, but we took it as harm to our self-esteem or our, our perception of who we were. So yeah, and um, it just goes from there. A hundred percent. And that's another reason I love the word audacious because somehow it smacks of, oh, sassy and being loud. And the truth is, you know what? We were trained from the time that we were young girls as women, we don't, to be quiet, to not make a fuss. That's why I like to say I'd rather age audaciously than age gracefully. gracefully. I love it. And there's nothing wrong with being graceful. I love it. But again, to me, when I hear aging gracefully, it's almost like there's an underlying current of be quiet, don't make a fuss, don't let anyone pay attention to you, like, shh, be good. It's so interesting that you say that because um, I'm very aware that in my 50s, I started thinking about aging and I would say to myself, I'm just not aging gracefully. I just... It's not happening. I, I want something different. I don't know what it is. Um, I want I want my body that I had years ago. I want the talent that I had years ago that I can no longer pursue. Um, and I, I would ask myself, how do I do this gracefully? And it really wasn't until, I mean, I'm 69 now. So only a few years ago when I started my own journey with the, the health and the wellness that I realized that I don't have to age gracefully, that I can live in grace, which takes on a whole different meaning. Mm. And when I was young, I'm one of six and I was the loudest and the most outspoken and always talked back to my mother and when I had something to say, I said it. So I wasn't the good, quiet girl. And her followed me in my marriage, you know, in the way I parented. So I, I love the word audacious. And I just hope that I can continue to cultivate that within myself. Yeah. All right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop recording for a minute because uh -huh. you're kind of frozen up. So, yes, um, being uh, you know aging audaciously is much more in alignment with what I 
teach my client as opposed to that story of having to be a good girl. Um, and, you know, look, if aging gracefully resonates, that's fine. I just like for people to notice where that comes from and what that means right. to them. Really what, what that mean? means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So the stories, it's really, it's the stories and it's also the meaning that we're giving to the stories. Exactly. And, and what we give meaning to is very important in our inner language. I think we really have to identify that so that yeah. we can grow in a healthy and audacious way, you know? Yes. I, I know a woman and I did a, a podcast with her, Melody Pomerati, and she has a wonderful business. She works with young girls from the ages of five to young teens. And she's, she's got the training program with other women and teaching them at a young age to have their voice and to live audaciously. Awesome. So it's a good it. message to get out there. Yeah. And some of us, you know, that are a little older are learning that, learning that now or relearning that it's okay to have that voice and be a little audacious. So absolutely. Um, perspective. Perspective is everything. You I I don't know where I got this from, maybe in the book or it, it says here turning 50, you had a meltdown of sorts. Well yeah that so was of kind course of I want to get into something juicy here because <laughs> You, no, I don't know if it was juicy, but that was what I was saying. It was like when I suddenly realized, oh, you know, oh my God, I, I, this is, I need meaning. I need something else. And then it was, you know, it evolved into a full-blown identity crisis. Like, who am I again? What am I, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? And that's when I ended up in coaching. And like I said, the, the biggest, um, you know, it felt like being adrift. And, 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 and once I even, even when I first started the program, I felt like I'd, holy heck, like I'm now floating in the middle of the fog in the water. And I don't, I don't know where I'm going or mm. what, what, you know, how to get there. So that was what it felt like in the meltdown. It just felt like, who yeah. am I? What's going on? Where am I going? What do I want? I don't know anything right now. And, um, and so by the end of it, uh, I had a lot of those answers. Um, and even if I didn't have clear answers, um, I, I was still, it, it was okay. I realized I didn't need to have everything yeah. clear yeah, and that was okay. okay. It's okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So did that cause you to get stuck at all? Did it cause you to freeze? Did it cause you to just, did that go on for months, months, years? Honestly, I feel like it was kind of an evolution. And mm -hmm. so it did, yeah, it, you did that, that particular word. time. Probably took about a year and then you know I would say I'm 59 and I recently went through it again um and it looked different this time but also but it felt similar That's and interesting. um and for me it was another evolution and it I think it, it really started right around the same time as COVID and so that exacerbated a little bit and then there were for me you know it doesn't matter how much coaching you've had sometimes you still get stuck in your stories and but for me my story was oh my gosh I'm a coach I should know how to get out of this and I can't so clearly 
I suck at everything. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's gosh. kind of what it looked like yeah. in my head, in my head. It, it sounded a little bit like that. Um, and that one probably took a little longer. And as a result, you know, I, I changed how I'm doing things. I'm still a coach, but I'm not, I don't have a private practice right now. I'm actually working as a full-time coach uh, for this incredible place called 40 Years of Zen, which is all about brain health. And I'm really found like the most, it, it's perfect for me. And I'm still writing, which I love. So I really was able to take the parts of coaching that I loved and separate them from the parts that didn't, I didn't love like running a business, like, um, you know, and all of the things that go along with that, particularly mm. technology, which is not my favorite part. Um, <laughs> and so it's working really well for me for right now. And, you know, I, I think I could transition again in a couple of years. I, and, and I probably will because that's what we do. Yeah. That's how it works. We grow, we, we grow up, we grow up literally we meta up. Yeah. I like we, that. We grow up. That's mm -hmm. how we want to grow. Yeah. Know? We don't want to yeah. get stuck. Yeah. No. But it happens. And and the thing it is, is the more we resist, the, the the more uncomfortable it can be. And so sometimes there is there is um truth, there is wisdom in not resisting, but stopping and just noticing and allowing and seeing what wants to come up. Yeah. But you know, it can be scary. And I think that's where the resistance comes in because it can be really scary. It is, you know? of course. But what are we scared of? There's that's the question. What are you scared of? Like, oh, I'm stuck. Am I scared? I'm gonna, you know, like get the fear, it's the fear of not knowing sometimes or everything. Right. The mantra, the mantra for that really is everything's changing and that's okay. Yeah. It's a good mantra to write down. Yeah. Yeah. Post somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That it's okay. That everything you're feeling, whether it's the overwhelm, the confusion, the fear, and there's so many things that you feel through this. But you know what? It's okay. You know? Yeah. And that if you reach out, you know, to people that can help you, you get you can get a coach, you can get a therapist. You can find an interest in something that just takes you to that next part of your evolution, you know, that just, I think that maybe you just need to keep or cultivate an awareness of what's going on around you and within you. Because I think, I mean, I'm just talking from my own experience too, is that it will tell you something, you know? Oh yeah, but and that's part of I think with the next next chapter was perspective, yes. and you know that that's it as well. It's um, it's knowing that when you know everything is changing and that's okay. It's like it's okay to have you know. And actually, the chapter after that I think is um, letting go of who you used to be because it is it is about what don't I, what's not working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. What do what what, mm -hmm. what do I I don't have to do anything there's no should here there are it's only about like you said bringing awareness to the fact of what's working and what's not working and you know something about hitting midlife and being 50 is you really do get to notice what's working and what's not and um like I think I I said it's like um 
you know, because you're the author of your story, you get to keep whatever parts you love and, and deem valuable and you get to know what, you know, what's not working anymore. So that is, that's empowering in my opinion. Um, when you realize that there are no shoulds. And it doesn't get any more audacious than that. <laughs> wow. Agreed. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then you go into, I believe, statements. Well, that can just help, especially when you feel stuck and you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Starting to notice not just who you are, but what you believe, because I think that that can really tell you a lot about who you are. Um, And you realize, wow, um, this uh, this is who I am. This is what I love. This is what I believe. This is who Mm -hmm. I am. This is where you come into your values and your beliefs, right? It it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with all those voices that you've incorporated into your life the children no, the, the husband the, the only work, voice that's that. important is your own really right right and, and that's I, not I, to say oh i'm not listening to my husband or i'm not listening oh, no, to my no. you know I don't, at all it's just that you have to in order to show up for yourself it's imperative that you be able to hear yourself yes that's absolutely what it is being able to hear yourself aside from the other voices, which, like you just said, are relevant. They're still relevant, but we do need to key into our own voice. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down my which, own belief, belief statements in that chapter. Very oh, good. that's so nice. Yeah, I love that. Um, which I would also say is it is that is one of the chapters of silencing your lizard brain, which really is your ego. It's really just that you know, we, that voice that tells you, you know, that you, that you're not good enough, that you shouldn't be doing that. I can't believe you made that mistake. Um, you know, you, you're, you're a fraud, you're, you know, all of those things. And so that lizard brain is only just trying to, it's, it's, it's doing its job. The ego, it's trying to keep us safe, which I'm sure, you know, as a coach as well, that that's what right. that part of our brains are meant to do. We evolved with them. We can't kick them out. We can't, ex, you know, excise them in any way. They're here to stay. It's about developing a different relationship with that voice mm-hmm. and noticing it and then being able to say, you know, there are any number of ways you can sort of be like, you know what, take a walk. Or you can say, thanks, for, thanks for your advice. I, I think I appreciate it. Um, you know who, who who has a great um, analogy for that is Liz Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert, in her book Big Magic. She talks yes. about the relationship, right. fear, and creativity, and she says because fear is another word for what the ego brings and for what the lizard brain is preaching. And so she says that whenever she embarks on a new creative project, she'll say to to fear, "Okay, fear, here's the deal: we're going on a road trip." We, me and creativity are going on a road trip. We know you're coming. We know we can't <laughs> kick you out, but you're not, but you don't get to drive the car. You don't get right. to take the snacks. You don't get to put the music on the radio. You don't get to hold the map. You sit in the back and you be right. quiet. We got this. Yeah. And I love that, that me picture too. in my head, uh, whether you're embarking on a road trip with creativity or you're starting off something, you know, a new job or a new I don't know, your color, you're, you're, you're deciding to let your hair go gray, whatever it is, fear's yeah. going to pop up and you get to say, you know what, fear, you're in the back seat. I yeah. got this. And, and I read that and it stuck and I've used it often. I, I love yeah. you. 
get in the back seat. I'm in the driver's seat. And thank you for your opinion. But I'm in the driver's seat here. I'm making yeah. the choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And that's a good book for anyone yeah, that wants that. to read that. Yeah. And you just you you spoke a little bit about the stop doing list. Do, do, mm -hmm. do, do. Well, you know what? A, a great thing that we we can do at this time in our lives is we can sit and do nothing if we feel we need to sit and do nothing. You know, uh, if we yes, need to be absolutely. silent. Yeah. You know, we're human beings, not human doings. And sometimes right. we just need to sit still and be. And that can be enough to give us a reboot. You know, there's that other quote from Anne Lamont. It's like everything works better if you just unplug it every now and then you know you just need to reboot and maybe even unplug yourself and so that you know we get so cluttered especially now with so much technology and so mm. many people telling us all the different things sometimes it's enough just to, to to chill to literally consciously shut it all down and then see what comes up yeah, yeah. stop doing everything stop doing everything for 15 minutes yeah and um for me a lot of overwhelm for me comes from social media. Mm -hmm. If I go in, even if I'm looking at another woman who's doing something like what I'm doing, you know what, we're, we're all doing this together, but there comes the comparison, you know, am I a fraud? Am I as good as, or will I get the audience, that whole thing? So I disconnected a lot from social media. I mean, I'm there because I need to make connections. You know, we, we mm -hmm. need to do that. But not to just scroll and become a viewer of what's going on because we're all unique. We're, we all bring something different. And um, yeah. Yeah, I think I talk about, there's a chapter where I talk about that to other people and their opinions. and. You know, it's really, we, as you've also, I'm sure, heard the term compare and despair, oh, which absolutely. is what we do on social media. I mean, it, the, the minute it starts to feel like that is when I get off. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of times when you're on it and social media feels inspiring, you're like, or, or it feels uplifting. You know, if you subscribe to accounts that are like the good news accounts and you go on there and you're like, oh, there's, you know, how, how lovely. Those are the times I'm, I'm all for it. It's only when I get on there and it starts to be like, oh God, that anytime yeah. the not enough or, oh, I should, anytime the word should pops in, it's the signal. To That's right. Off. Unplug. That's right. Mm -hmm. Move on to something else more creative that serves you. Mm -hmm. uh, New Year's resolutions versus fresh starts. Well, the heck with New Year's resolutions. A hundred percent. Well, that's just it. That's just really and I, reminding people that you don't have to wait until, you know, oh, I'm going to start Monday. I'm going to start the first of the month or the first of the year that um, I mean, fresh starts are great. I love them. But I also think that uh, in the spirit of aging audaciously, it's like I, I invite people to just choose one goal and then or intention or challenge or whatever and just see it through for 30 or 31 days for a month. Okay. And so instead of changing everything. Um, you know, uh, just changing one thing. And so I'll, I'll, I, I'll say, well, what do you want? And why do you want it? And how will mm -hmm. you feel when you get it? And you kind of write down those answers. And then you say like, you know, I want to feel more healthy and vibrant. Okay, so choose one thing that can help you get there. And mm -hmm. in the book, I talk about maybe it's to, you know, drink 
16 or 20 ounces of water as soon as you wake up to increase your hydration and see how you feel or just add in. I mean, if you've been to in, you know, IIN, it's just, or crowd in one healthy vegetable and like add in to, you know, every day you're going to add in one leafy green or one extra vegetable. Right. So one small, again, we come back to these bite-sized digestible goals. Um, you know, if you want more connection, there's, there's some, uh, some suggestions there, or if you realize, what do I want? I want to just feel more peaceful. Everything's so hard. I want peace and simplicity. Then I will then just choose that. And how can you get that? And not a million things that I exactly. get that, but one thing, just one right. thing and do that for 30 days and right. see what happens. And that's what I love about the coaching process. It's so gentle like that, mm -hmm. you know, it, and it, it, eliminates that overwhelm, you know, that you, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 things you want to get done and all the steps for each of those things. And, and then you just like, Oh, the heck with it. I'm not going to do anything, but that's just what I love about what I've learned with the coaching, you mm -hmm. know, that you, you can help your client do that inquiry about how do you want to feel, you know, what is the one thing that you want to do that will bring about how you want to feel? And then just those few simple steps to get there. And just for that small time frame. Yeah. yeah. And you can even do it. You know, another practice that I do when I'm journaling is I will say, like, how do I want to feel today? And what mm -hmm, are just two today. or three things I can do to make myself feel freer or more peaceful or mm -hmm. more invigorated or more energized or what? Whatever it is, what's something I can do to feel that way today? Because that can change from day to day, you know, Absolutely. how you want to feel. I mean, you have those things separate from the goal you want to achieve, but you do want to wake up every day and do a little assessment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Staying accountable to yourself. To me, that's so important. Who are you accountable to? And like we were talking about before, you might still be accountable to a lot of people, family, loved ones, but the most important person that you want to be accountable to is yourself. Yes, and whatever that takes to do that. And then sometimes, even though you're saying be accountable to yourself, it can be that you, that can kind of lead to the next chapter, which is the three C's of midlife, because sometimes mm -hmm. being accountable to yourself means showing up in a community. Like, I think that there's something to be said for uh, joining a coaching circle, a coaching group for accountability. You're, you're accountable. You've got other people witnessing you yeah. being accountable to yourself, mm -hmm. which is also very big. I mean, you can certainly have an accountability partner. If you're not a group person, it's fine to even just have one person, but there's something about that community and that connection that's extremely mm -hmm. powerful, I believe. And then the other C, there's community connection and curiosity, which actually should probably, you know, could be, num could be the number one C of midlife, because I think that when you do feel uh, overwhelmed or stuck or in the middle of a, you know, crisis, which is not one of my favorite C words, uh, <laughs> then curiosity can be the thing that can, can help you move forward. Instead of saying, I can't believe this is happening. Um, you can say, why is this happening? What's going on? Not, oh my God, oh my God, just why? What? Huh, wonder what's different. 
wonder what's changing and curiosity mm. curiosity will take you home mm. i love that and then to be able to reframe that oh yeah you know to reframe what it whatever it is that that is creating that for you instead of why is this happening you go why know, is why this me? happening what, right right so yeah the reframe for sure and and again that and that kind of leads into the next chapter which is watch your language and i like to talk about that and i i sometimes my kids are you know mom you're like the word police because i am <laughs> and i i mean it's, it's real and now they know that um when you you know when you to not should all over themselves and it is it's about <laughs> using the words should and have to and can't and um need to because certainly with should it implies a certain level of shame you know like I should mm -hmm. be doing this or I should have done it that way mm -hmm. um and so noticing that every single thing is a choice like I like to the the, the mm -hmm. analogy that I like to give is you know you don't have to do your taxes you don't you choose to do your taxes so you don't go to jail everything is a choice even like you know I was had a client who was talking about they have to take their, their mother is ill and they have to take care of them and all of the things that are involved and I even just reframing it from I have to to I choose to because that's part of my value system because it's important right. to me that I I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to abandon my mother. It's that's how I want to show up in the world. Or even one step beyond is that I get to because, you know, my mom took care of me and I get to spend this time with my mom. I mean, there's a million ways to reframe yeah. out of have to, but choose to, and then sometimes get to can be very, very powerful. Yeah. There's yeah. always a gift in there somewhere. Yeah. And you have to be able to look for it. And yeah, well, you don't have to. It. You don't have well, to be no, able to look there for you it. Go. You get, you get to. <laughs> those words, even in the coach's world, those words are not part of our language. I know it just happens. <laughs> and it happens how easily you I, slip into it, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I catch myself all the time. Uh, may much more, much less than I used to, though. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm much better with it than I used to be. Yeah. 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 Uh, great. Paying attention. Oh, there was something in here. Well, oh, wigs. Well, oh, <laughs> wildly improbable <laughs> goals. Yeah, that acronym, that's really wigs. a Mar that's that's really a Martha Beck term. That's not from me, but she. Oh, but I, I love see it. Martha and, Beck. Uh, yeah, acronym. Wild, that's her wildly improbable goals. And so, what I talk about is audacious goals dreaming audaciously and that it's really paying attention to um inklings or uh hmm. i don't know like like a little tug like when you start to it's like so it's like a yes this um i had a program for a while i doing retreats with a friend who's a naturopath in portland and we did these retreats called yes this and it was all about paying attention to those things that make you go oh yeah this. oh yeah that that i want more of this it's wow, about paying great. attention to what those little inklings are and then creating what will be a, an audacious, it starts off as an audacious dream. Um, and so I talk about different ways to go mining for the goals um, and certainly vision boards are one and I love them. Not only are they just a fun, creative project, mm -hmm. but I am a, I am a little bit woo-woo. Uh, <laughs> Me I'm not too. Full, I, 
I'm East Coast, you know, too. I'm never going to be fully over the, I am because I am from the East Coast. I'm never going to go all the way overboard, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I, I'm in there. And, and so really what I've noticed with my own vision boards is that um, when you put, when you do them, even if you don't, even if you, you, you pull, I pull pictures that are, that resonate with me, whether they're words or images, and I don't have to know what they are. I just know that I love them. And then I look at everything and I put it together and it comes up somehow that there is an overriding theme or message. Mm. And so I did one in January and I put it up on my bulletin board and it's important to have them in a place where you can see them because right. that's part of the woo-woo manifesting of them. They do, the more you see it, uh, the more it tends to sort of imprint on the brain. And so I did that. And ultimately I ended up on the spur of the moment in March, deciding to go to a place called the Modern Elder Academy, which if you haven't heard of it, it's no. amazing. And it's a midlife wisdom school. It's in Baja and it's incredible. Oh. Um, and I went, you know, they have, um, they have, workshops but then they also have what they call sabbatical sessions where you can go and it's less programming and there, but there is programming and it is absolutely community and connection and curiosity it's all of those things and I've never done anything like that I, first of all I've mm. never been to Mexico which is ridiculous because I live on the west coast but I okay. finally thought okay I'm going to go to Mexico but I went for two whole weeks by myself I mean I, I left my, everybody here and it was an, an incredible experience. And when I got back, I looked at my vision board and I went, oh my God. It aligned. I the whole thing, all of it. And I was like, oh. That's woo-woo. It is. I know, which is why I am a little bit woo-woo. Yeah. But uh, so I would say that in a way that was an audacious goal that I didn't even know exactly what it was. So sometimes you don't even need to know. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes you do know what it is and you start to create the vision around that. And Martha talks about with wigs, it's really about tiny steps. She has a whole process for doing them. Um, and it is, but one of the things that I love is, um, is just the part of making it happen is tiny, tiny steps. Mm. I love the word that you used, inklings. Yeah, inklings. Mm. That's what I call them. Ram Dass's quote, I I love Rondas. We're all just oh, yeah. walking each other home. Yep. How beautiful is that? It, it, when you remember that, it is. I, I it's it's like a it's like a deep breath to me. It's like oh gosh, yeah. We're all. That's the thing. I think one of the next chapters is about self compassion, and yes. um, in there some, and and so that is a perfect example of when I remember that that quote. So the chapter is treat yourself like your own best friend. When I remember that quote, it is uh, to me just a true example of we're all human. Mm -hmm. We all do. We all make mistakes. We all fall into holes. We all do things that we wish we hadn't done. And it's just, we're, we're just humans. We're all just walking each other home. It's, it's all very, um, like I remember when you remember that, to me anyway, it reminds me to speak to myself with more compassion yeah. um, than I normally would. And there's a story I like to tell just about just a little, little one 
when I was I was driving around looking for a parking space somewhere and there was one but I thought oh I can get one closer and so I went around the block a couple times and not only could I not find one closer but I lost the one that I thought I had and then I was like oh my god Lisa you're such an idiot and then I burst out laughing because I actually said to myself you're such an idiot it wasn't an idiot I mean it was a human mistake and then I exactly but that's just a very little example of the things we say to ourselves in our minds that are a bunch of crap frankly yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I, I do that a lot when, you know, midlife you do stupid things, right. Which is, and I'll find myself life. saying, <laughs> yes, I know. And I find myself, I'm so, I'm so stupid. and then I'll immediately, you know, zone in and say, no, you are not an idiot. You are not stupid. Yeah. It's the human experience. It's where you're at. So have a laugh over it you know have some fun with it for crying out loud but then for when your husband loud, and yourself but... are both doing the same thing well, it's then really laughable laugh. exactly <laughs> funny and one of the things too that it kind of leads into really which then is the next chapter which is drop and give me then and that's about mindfulness because part of noticing when you're speaking poorly to yourself is just being able to notice it and to mm-hmm. slow down and so, um, you know, mindfulness, as I say in the book, has really become quite a buzzword and everyone talks about meditation, but you know what? Not everybody med- can meditate or has a meditation practice, but whether you're, you know, whether you're meditating, you don't, one thing you can do is have a, what I call a pausing practice and mm-hmm. that's really doable. Um, so where you, whether you schedule time for a pause in your, throughout your day, or you create a practice where every time you get in your car before you start it up you pause and take three deep breaths or for me that when I'm really stressed it can be every time I'm at a red light and I just stop I take three deep breaths and a pausing practice I mean it is first of all you're immediately putting yourself into an alpha brainwave state so which is a much calmer place to be mm-hmm. and uh it's also just it's again it's like creating a little space like a little doorstop in between the flurry of thoughts and the rapid breathing and the stress and just creating a little bit of air and then noticing um you know oh I'm I'm, I'm freaking out or I'm having the thought that I'm freaking out versus yeah. I'm freaking out you know what I mean it's just yeah. space and so it's a type of mindfulness that isn't necessarily right. meditation it's a uh, yeah because it's, because you're right not everyone can enter into a meditation practice you know they just have a hard time with it but I love this pause I'm going to remember yeah that. it's a pausing practice um and then another thing that you can do, which is actually just take the next chapter, which is all about gratitude. I mean, even so important. incorporating a gratitude practice is another way of being mindful, of being a pausing and being aware. Um, and the thing I like to remind people is it's a gratitude. It's not just about making lists of the things that you're grateful for. It's about really embodying those mm-hmm. things as you make the, as you go along. So if you were mm-hmm. going to have choose three things a day that you're grateful for with each one spending like 90 seconds, it, it, it literally a minute, you know, a minute and a half of really noticing how it makes you feel embodying. where you embodying the gratitude for mm. each thing, you know, our brains have that, that part that they're wired, the, um, the negativity bias. And so, which means that we are, 
you know, something like 10 times more likely to remember negative things yeah. versus yeah. positive things, which is, it goes back to the lizard brain and what, you know, it's about keeping ourselves alive. We remember the danger. We don't always remember the good stuff. And so a gratitude practice and, and really embodying the things that you're grateful for can um, help your brain sort of like shift for, you know, it can it help yeah. your brain remember. So yes. it's like, it's um, combating the negativity bias. So mm-hmm. I love that. And you know, we are all that we're no matter what, there's always, there's always something to be grateful for always. And it is a feeling I know that. Um, and it, it's just so much easier for me now. It's just an ease that happens for me. Mm. It started out when I first started all these practices where I would do the lists, but I can finish maybe I don't know what it maybe something with the the course that I'm setting up and that I'm doing it and things aligned where I reached out to some women and they were interested and you can feel the gratitude you know that Mm -hmm. that's so wonderful wonderful when it's not just a word on a paper that you actually embody it and you feel it and um you know, it's, it's almost like the energy. I mean, I'm maybe I'm more woo-woo than you. I don't know, but <laughs> I, don't I know. absolutely believe in, in energy. And I think yeah. when you feel gratitude for me, I'm feeling that energy, you know, it's just absolutely remarkable. So I love that. And then the rest of the book, the last four chapters of the book are really more about body. I mean, I, I like to say for me, coaching is really a partnership between body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And so um, having talked about the spirit and the mind, the body part is important. And certainly in midlife, there's the hormone question of hormones. And yes. um, I definitely am not an expert in hormones. Uh, I do know some things and I do talk about um, certainly getting your hormones tested. And I encourage all my clients to get kind of like a, a baseline on where yeah. they are with hormones. Um yeah. But there are so many pluses, you know, no more periods, no more birth control. Um, <laughs> and I talk about like a, a decrease in estrogen can also bring a decrease in the desire to accommodate, to accommodate everyone's needs over your own, which that, that was good. I was happy for that. Um, so <laughs> there's the hormones. And then there's also about nourishing yourself, which is so important. I mean, there's the nourishing yourself spiritually and nourishing yourself with all of the things in your life, but certainly about what we're eating, you know, um, about eating a much less inflammatory diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talk about the importance of that. And again, it can, it doesn't have to be all things at once. It can be that perhaps if your goal, you know, that overall goal is to feel less inflamed, then maybe one thing at a time, maybe you eliminate sugar and that's it. And that's all. Or maybe you eliminate gluten for 30 days and you see how you feel it's right. like not forever. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. It's really about one thing at a time or crowding in mm-hmm. the green vegetables or the more water or whatever you choose, but it is right. about a nourishing. And then of course there's the move it or lose it, which, you know, we all know about that. And again, yeah. it's the same. <laughs> that's the, same that's the tough one for me. <laughs> I know it can be really, it can feel like a lot. And so Again, the minute you start to try to add in all of these things or do all of these things at once, that's often the time where people just go, okay, I tried, I'm out. One thing at a time. And Mm -hmm. so even if it's just 
walking around the block. It doesn't have to be weightlifting. It doesn't have to be hit exercise. It can just be. So even when you're taking a walk, you can combine it with other things that fill your soul. And it can be a noticing practice, even for 15 Mm. minutes, like noticing the beauty that's happening in your neighborhood today. Um, It could be you know, for me, audiobooks are huge. Like mm-hmm. I will get into a book when I walk and then I won't listen to it anywhere else. It'll be just my incentive to get my butt around the lake, which is, you know, near my house. And it's a three mile walk and I'll get to listen to my book for the whole hour. And it's what fantastic. I love it. Um, and so combining that or combining your exercise, your walk with community and making sure you book that that's your time to see friends or people you care about, or you're, you know, like I took a walk this morning with my 24 year old son, which was mm-hmm. fabulous. And I, we, so I got to walk and I got to be in community with him and really exactly. connect. So that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last, let's see. Oh, and then there's two, there's then the next chapter. I think the last one is really about sleep. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm sure you've yeah, count I don't know if you for me I need I need at least nine hours of sleep to feel the best yeah well yeah. I you know I was have been an insomniac since I was diagnosed oh, with Graves geez. disease and even though my Graves disease resolved itself I got left with um, decades of insomnia I now have it much more under control but you know in a lot of ways there's very if you're not sleeping everything else feels yeah. insurmountable yeah. um I will say my biggest hack that I do share with my clients that I got from my doctor who was a sleep expert in sleep medicine was, um, well, there are many things, but this one really worked after years of not sleeping, which is when I wake up in the middle of the night, um, I will often just plug in a podcast. I'll put my phone on airplane mode, but I'll have downloaded a podcast or I will have a, a book. I have a special book that I keep just for sleep that I don't use when I'm taking my walks. And um, she says the more, good, the, like the more intriguing, the better. Even though it sounds counterintuitive, the more engrossing, the better because you're tricking your brain from going from feeling like, oh God, will I ever get back to sleep? Oh, I'm so tired. Will I ever fall oh, back to sleep? Your brain is engaged in something else. And your brain. Yeah. I can set the timer on the on on the audio book or on the podcast so that it goes off and I'm asleep typically within 10 minutes and it works like a dang charm for me yeah I know when I go to sleep I have to put on some type of meditative music but last night I had a a problem sleeping and interestingly Mm. enough I did the same thing I had fallen asleep to a podcast and when I was you know restless through the night I just put that podcast back in so yeah Good. Yeah. So that's pretty much, I mean, again, it's really something, the kind of book that you can keep by the side of your bed and you can read the whole thing or just take those bites when you need them. And, um, and that was my goal from the, from the outset. Mm -hmm. Great nourishment. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa, for everything. Oh, I'm so glad. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. And I'm glad that you'll be with me uh, next month too. Um, yes. So uh, well, thanks yeah. for inviting me on and thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Well, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure.
Take care of yourself. You too.